0: G'day everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Spud Fit podcast. Thank you for joining me. These episodes are uh, few and far between at the moment. I've got, uh, I've got desires to get back to doing them more regularly, but for now, uh, life gets in the way. So they happen when they happen and uh, hopefully I'll get another one to you soon. Before we get into it today, uh, this episode is brought to you by Spudfit.com, my website. <laughs> Go and check it out. It's uh, it's got blog posts and an FAQ page and everything you need to do your own Spudfit challenge for free. All the information is there, and if you want help, then there's also uh, the Spudfit membership and there's a brand new advanced DIY program. Which is uh, all about tackling the food psychology behind weight gain and food addiction. So, uh, if you're having trouble with the way you eat, then perhaps this is something that could help you. So, go and check it out on my website, spudfit.com. Now, the Spudfit podcast is with Joey Carbstrong today. I, on this podcast, like to talk to people who think differently, who do things differently, and I'm especially interested in people who have made big changes in their lives. Uh, I'm interested in the psychology behind that and I'm interested in uh, in basically in what drives people to totally turn their lives around and Joey Carbstrong certainly fits the bill. He was a former gang member, drug user, uh, did time in jail, uh, life was hard <laughs> and, uh, and he totally turned things around. He went from being a, a gangster to a vegan full-time activist for peace and... Uh, yeah, his, his story is incredible to me. Uh, it was times in this podcast where I was deeply moved. Uh, I had shivers down my spine on a number of occasions from uh, various stories that Joey told. And uh, I just, I love this guy. I love his attitude to life. I love his attitude to uh, activism and to veganism. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a pleasure to sit down and spend an hour or so with him and, uh, and learn from him. So I hope... Uh, you guys enjoy it as much as I did I hope you guys learn from him as much as I did and uh, and I hope he inspires you to uh, to take a step and change your life and do something important with it have a listen and uh, spot up <laughs> All right, Joey Carbstrong, welcome to the SpudFit podcast. Thanks for having me, mate. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here in your uh, your Ella was it your friend Ella's. Ella's place. Uh, heading the campaign on <laughs> yeah. Sunday, so yeah, I'm yeah. staying at her house. All right, just briefly, that's what's the campaign? Why you're here in Melbourne?
1: I'm here for the Truth Riders campaign, which is yeah. a um, it's a vegan advertising campaign. It's the first that has been done. Um, vegan wise um so it's a, a bunch of bikes that ride around with billboards on the back and they're going to oh. have a sort of a profound um vegan message on there so plant some seeds
0: cool so people can get fit while uh while spreading a message spreading the, the message <laughs> yeah all right cool so um yeah that's that's an exciting idea I'm, I'm interested to hear more about that so hopefully i'll be able to get along tomorrow and uh, and have a listen and see what it's all about should be good um, All right, so the first question I always have for all my guests is uh, it can be open-ended or it can be small, but uh, who is Joey Carbstrong?
1: Uh, Joey Carbstrong. So I'm a a vegan YouTuber. I'm a sober lifestyle promoter. I'm an animal rights activist, and I'm a reformed gang member and an ex-drug-using, sort of um, sort of uh, had a bit of a harsh background, so I've turned my life around and used my time now to help animals and help people getting the right track
0: cool that's a that's a pretty quick summary i like it and uh and part of your uh story that especially interests me is uh is the the transformation you've made from you you grew up a completely different person to what you are now and um you know over the last year where i did my potato challenge that changed me as a person as well and uh and so i'm really interested in the transformation side of things 100 percent so uh, yeah, and I'm interested in the in the mindset behind it all, especially. Yeah. So we'll get into that. But um yeah. I'm interested to to know a bit of the backstory of Joey Carbstrong as well. So you know, you're you're obviously this um, big time vegan activist, yeah. animal rights activist. Yeah. Um, you're probably a lot fitter and healthier than you were. Oh, and uh, yeah, where did where did this whole journey start for you? Is there a point in your life where you can pinpoint where you where you thought that, um. Maybe you had a realization that uh, you'd been fed some lies or life wasn't what uh, you thought yeah. it should be. You know, yeah. like
1: I always have had a, a bit of an awareness. Like yeah. even when I was involved in what I was involved in, I still had this awareness. So that was in me, but I think it was clouded by a lot of this substance abuse that I was you know, inflicting on myself. So that that clouded my judgment, but I had this underlying, you know, compassion in my heart and, and awareness. Um, I was just going down the wrong track. That's all. Yeah. I just needed to stop all that and um, sort of wake up. So yeah, okay. um, the defining moment for me. Um, so I spent about 12 years um, in addiction, in gangs, um, you know, yeah. committing crime and um, always in trouble with the police. And um, what ended up happening is I it all come right. to a head. Be- sorry, before we get to that, let's okay. take a step backwards. Take then. a step how, back. How,
0: how did that? sort of how did that all how did that come about you got into gangs and things like because this is really very interesting for me because uh i've spent 15 years as a teacher and a big chunk of that with probably seven eight years was working in schools for kids that have been kicked out of every school they've been to basically so it's sort of last chance hotel for kids and a lot of gang members a lot of drugs a lot of all that sort of gear so i have probably spent a lot of time working with kids that were just like you were so this is a an important okay, thing so, to me. So, so how yeah. I fell into it, let's go back yeah, to yeah. The,
1: how I fell into it was um, as about a 14, 15 year old youth, I didn't want to listen to teachers, I didn't feel like that they resonated with me, I didn't like to listen to authority, I felt like that um, the school wasn't for me, I just felt like a bit of an outcast, I didn't understand the world, I felt like a bit lost and I found solitude in, you know, smoking marijuana, hanging out with, um, you know, kids that were like me. So they might've um, had like parents that were split up. They're in a low income community. And the way we passed the time was we would get high and we would drink alcohol
0: and we would have this sort of this brotherhood. So that was about 14, 15, I'd left school. So many kids can yeah. relate to that story, I think. Yeah. Cause you know, there's no, a lot of kids, especially kids that I've worked with, there's sort of no connection no. at home. There's no, you know, they've got parents that love them most of the time, yeah. not always, but the parents- Often just don't really understand how to yeah. show their love and then you know there's not really this massive bond that people really need and so if you're not getting that at home you go yeah. somewhere else to get it and
1: and the thing you know, is like my mum did the best she could with what um awareness she had and she yeah, was yeah. obviously she she was going through some stuff herself
0: yeah, so i should a, just clarify i know nothing about your parents this <laughs> no, is, so i'm no, not But that is that generally yeah, yeah. like my parents split yeah. up yeah. and
1: you know um so I was around um, yep. partying and, you know, some drinking and stuff at home, some domestic violence that did happen uh, in the young years. My mum was a very young mother. But um, I, uh, so I found solitude in in this drug use and hanging around with these guys that were like me and I, and I wanted to be like them and we'd all shave our heads and hang out together like, you know, 20 of us and we're all into boxing and what ended up happening is it slowly progressed. So, um, you know, the drug use got... A little bit more we're pushing the boundaries a little bit more and me especially because i'm an extreme person by nature i always take everything to the you know the 10th degree and um i did that with my drug use i was very um i was sort of infatuated with it i wanted to see how far i could you know expand my like explore this um part of my mind that you know it was kind of like escaping reality because this reality didn't feel I don't know. I just didn't feel like I had my place here, so I wanted to, you know, experience a different reality. I think I think that's a lot what happens with drug use. People try yeah. to escape, or they're bored with life, and they it, they're lost. It no, reminds
0: me of a of a, an amazing line I once read by a guy called Russell Brand. I don't yeah. know if you've read any of his writing, but yep. uh, he said that uh, something along the lines. I might get might get it slightly wrong, but uh, addicts don't have. A, a drug use problem, they have a reality problem and the yeah. drugs are the solution. <laughs> so the drugs so, are the solution. That yeah. is so true. Yeah. Like
1: you need to change your reality. Yeah. And that's how you you, you you if the environment you're in shapes you and this is what I'll get into. Like um if you're if if I put anyone in a harsh environment you you learn to adapt. That's just what if you either adapt or you fall victim to it. And humans and any organism, they learn to adapt to their environment. It's just biology. It's just what happens. And um, so the, I was in this rough environment around these this rough crowd, and I had a good, compassionate heart. I mean, I remember when I was five years old, I didn't want to kill an ant, and that, oh, yeah. that was in me. Like, like, I didn't even want to step on an ant. I, I loved... You know other creatures, and I had this awareness. But I think most little kids can yeah. probably relate to that. You often yeah. see little kids that just don't want to hurt care. insects, yeah, yeah. And, and that's that is us. That is our nature. Like we're so unadulterated as, as a child, we, we haven't yeah. been conditioned yet, and that's that's our our nature that we could have to we have to listen to that and look at that. But what and I conditioned that out of me, and I cultivated this side inside of me. It was like you have these two wolves: the negative wolf and the positive wolf, and the wolf that that wins is the one that you feed. And I was feeding this negative wolf inside of me and, and, and I turned it into a monster and it really served me in the environment that I was in because you had to be like that. Otherwise you would get picked on, you'd get bullied, you'd just get, you'd get ostracized. So, um, it progressed, it progressed. The gangs got a little, as we got older, the gangs got a little bit more serious. Um, the violence got more serious. Uh, The drug use got more serious. I was, I was dealing my own drugs to support my habit, um, my mental state deteriorated, and things happened. And um, I was very, par- I was a very paranoid individual. I was very aggressive. I had the potential to snap a lot, and this was all something I cultivated inside myself. So it could all be undone.
0: Yeah. But I, uh, it not while I was in that environment. I had to be like that. Do you think that was something you recognized in yourself at the time that <laughs> you had made yourself that way, or I think it happens too gradually. Like yeah. it, it, it's something that is normalized.
1: So like, you know, like how eating eating animals is normal in the society. People would yeah. say that it's normal. Like, I mean, when you, you become vegan, you're like, no, it's not normal to do this to an animal for yeah, to course, co- yeah. chop their body up. And that's what it was like for me when I was in this environment. It was normal. Like, it wasn't un like reasonable to punch someone in the face for something yeah. really small or to like to commit this act of violence it would be justified
0: in that yeah, environment probably, it probably didn't start off that way i'm guessing it probably just started off a few mates at the boxing club or something yeah, and then no, and it, 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 it and, gradually yeah.
1: it gradually got worse and worse and then yeah. there was this there was this normal level that was considered acceptable and you know everyone was sort of trying to push the boundaries so um it ended up
0: it's what boys do really the, yeah you know the whatever you do, the, your mates are going to want to try yeah. and do it better. And, and, you know, right? you had yeah. this,
1: um, sort of, your mates would be like, yeah, that was good, man. That was good. Yeah. 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 Oh, you should have seen what he done yeah. last <laughs> night, man. Oh, that was really good. You yeah. know, you get this, this esteem feedback from your, from your peers. Yeah. So it, it was just like a recipe for like a disaster, if you know what I mean. And, um, you know, I've nearly died on multiple occasions. Um, I've had guns pointed at me. I've been held hostage. I've been beaten up, bottled, knocked out, run over. Um, you know, I've had a, I've had a lot of defining moments mm. one of the most defining moments when I was in that was when I, when I was, um, we, we had a, a bit of a, a fight with another group of guys. And so I, I, I sort of, I was one of the ones who instigated this fight. I would say that, that that was my attitude that, that, could have either stopped this from happening or made it progress. And I had an altercation with a guy at the front of this uh, bar and he punched me. And then we had this massive, this massive brawl and what ended up happening is they hopped in their car and they drove around and, and they come driving straight at me and both my friends moved to the side and I got hit by this car at about 60 Ks an hour. And I remember flying up in the air and I, in the air, I had this. It was everything was in slow motion. It was like my life was playing back, and I, and I'd seen what I had done. Like that that night, I'd put weapons in my pocket. I had this really bad attitude. I went out looking for something, and I got it. And it was like I had this realization that my actions were coming back on me. Like what I was putting out was coming back. It was like uh, it was a very profound moment in you know in that in my um path in that life. And I was like, "Wow, what I'm doing is coming back on me." It was like this this karmic effect, mm. and I'd had this realization. Now that was. It took me a long time before <laughs> <laughs> before I actually learnt my lesson, but yeah. that was what I remember that defining moment.
0: I, I, I had shivers down my spine mm. during that that little story. That's amazing. I, I, Makes me the way you described that makes me think of that saying that you, you create your own luck. Yeah. And in a sense, that's what you were doing by going out yeah. with weapons ready for a fight. Yeah. Bad attitude. Your, your fight's going to find you. You don't need to yeah. go looking for it. And if, I got what yeah. I asked for. Like, I nearly yeah. got killed
1: that night. And, and like, we we're very surprised that I didn't. I flew up about uh, over roof height and wow. landed. I had no broken bones, but I was pissing out with blood everywhere. Yeah. And, like, yeah, like my friends thought I was dead when I hit that, um, wow. hit the road. So.
0: How did how was the recovery from that then? It
1: took me about a week to start walking again. Yeah, and right. it was just, it was, I had half my stomach was grazed off and, you know, it was, it was more just acute injury. It wasn't yeah. anything serious, which was really lucky. I just, I felt yeah. like there was someone watching over me. Like, I don't know. It was just, my mum always said, there's someone looking looking out for you, mate. Cause yeah. you've, you've had a lot of close calls, you know? So, um, but it progressed years on from that like it took me a lot a lot of mistakes to learn my lesson properly it's like i had to learn i was one of them guys that had just had to learn the hard way yeah and i just didn't i don't know i just i just it was just part of my journey like if i didn't learn this really hard way i wouldn't have gained all this experience and wisdom to be able to give back now and like i feel like it it, it all happened for a
0: reason and that's a really important mm. thing to think about i think because you know we people that are struggling or people that are Mm. you know my struggle was with my weight and with depression, yeah. and and it's oh, I'd, I'd rather my struggle than yours. I'm sure. No, but no, they're um, <laughs> both they're both equally hard. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know how hard they can but both be. But like, yeah. you know, just when you're when you're feeling really low and you you think you're at rock bottom and you think now's yeah. the time I have to do something, I've got to change, and then you make a little effort, and then sure enough, you go back to your old yeah. ways, and then you find a new rock bottom, and you just keep finding yeah. new rock bottoms, and it's amazing how how bad things have to get before you actually do something about it. Yeah. And how hey, you, you can just keep letting it get worse and worse. So, um, yeah, and I think it's a pretty common thing in people that have made big changes in their lives and really turned things around is that, you know, it takes more than one rock bottom, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, I yeah. was hitting that you rock bottom. You just got to keep digging. <laughs> uh, for about 12 years.
1: And, you know, uh, so we'll get into where, like, yeah. I really had the most significant change. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, yeah. So, um. The gangs progressed into a more serious organized crime group. I mean, I progressed from just street gangs, and then it got into something very serious. And the element of danger was a lot more serious too. So it was yeah. a, it was a it was world was- where you didn't mess around. Like you could say something, and it could really yeah. you could really affect you in like it could affect your life. Like yeah. you could get. So um, this is like drug dealing, sort of. St- uh, if you yeah, can't talk about it's, it, like, it's just. I, mean, I would say it's a very. It was very serious organized crime groups yep. where it was. You know, it, it was sort of like that's what it graduated into. Yeah. And it got to the stage where I was I was carrying a gun down my pants, and I was extremely paranoid because of the environment I was in, and I I was afraid for my you know safety, and I was also using a lot of drugs and it, like more than usual, and I had some. Some things going on mentally, like I, obviously I was, you know, yeah, <laughs> like if if that's the life, know, you're living, uh, there's, there's things going on mentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> of course, hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. Like I wasn't all, uh, I wasn't okay. So yeah. <laughs> um, I ended up, I ended up um, getting caught with this gun down my pants at this hotel room, and and the cops found it on me, um, and I ended up getting are locked up so they took me to jail they took me to jail my first experience with prison was a week in solitary confinement
0: they kept me in solitary confinement because i had mental issues and they all right they wanted that to seems like a, a weird choice this guy's got mental issues so let's lock him up on his own with no contact that to boy. anyone well the reason <laughs> they do that is
1: because there's observation there they can watch you 24 7 there's okay. cameras in there but also okay. it's punishment so they put yeah. you in the punishment unit. So they treat you as a punished prisoner, even if you're not punished. It's just, yeah. so they come in twice a day. They they make sure that your cell's cleaned with, you got to clean it with toilet paper and shine all the stainless steel in there. And if it's not done properly and your bed pack's not made, they, yeah. they if you raise your hand when they're in there, they, they'll smack you down. Like they're really, they were really, um, it was really military style. And yeah, right. I was coming down off all of these drugs and my grandfather had just died and I was mourning him. And it was just a really bad, It was one of the worst feelings I'd ever had. Like it was just like I was in this cell twenty four seven. There was no television, nothing to keep me preoccupied. Coming down off all these drugs, um, mourning the death of my grandfather, and facing this trail of destruction that I'd left behind because I'd hurt my family, I'd hurt friends around me. I'd been, you know, been violent towards people. So I was like, it it was like I was stuck in this cell by myself. It was really, really full on.
0: So I I just. Just to, I always try to relate things back to my yeah. own experience. And like I said, I'm, mm. I prefer my experience to yours. But mm. um, when I've talked about my thing of eating only potatoes, I, I have in the past talked about it as putting myself in food prison. Yeah. So wow. you know, I'm locked in, in prison where, you know, if you're in prison and they said you, all you can eat is potatoes, well, bad luck, that's what you're eating. There's no, there's no way around it. And, and the other thing about it was that I, I imagined if you're in prison, you've got a lot of time to sit and think. And and whatever issues you've got, that would be magnified. It'd be like wow. uh, like a magnifying yeah. glass. That's what I imagine. And and that's sort of what potatoes did to me as well, because I could no longer um, bury my emotions in food. All my emotions became intensely magnified, and yeah. I had to figure out a way to deal with those without using food. You had so- to face them without. Exactly. having the escape exactly so is that sort of something you experienced <laughs> that is in, so true you know? that
1: is a really really good insight man because but the, the problem was is i wasn't in there long enough okay yeah. so one week they kept me in there and then i got released on bail okay so like this was the start like that one week was like the start it was just getting clean yeah and they released me back on, on home detention now when i got back on home detention i fell back into everything Okay. Because I had access to alcohol, I had access to drugs. I fell back into my gangs, and it's a very seductive lifestyle, and that's it's all
0: I'd known for the last ten ten years. You know, and I so. imagine like once you've been locked up for a bit, you get out. The first thing you want to do is party, party, see, see your mates. And right?
1: <laughs> you know, the thing was was like um, my drug use had slowed down a bit while I was on home detention because it had limited my access. Yep. but in and what I what I'd done is I'd started covering that up with eating, so I started smashing in the food, like, and I mean, like, really greasy, um, like, bacon and pork chops for breakfast, and eggs, and oil, and big peanut butter and Nutella sandwiches, uh, Hungry Jacks at night time, and I put on about 30 kilograms in a, spa- in a really short space, and I'd stretched all my stomach out, and I was really depressed, um, a major depression, anxiety, and I was overweight to the point where like i was 115 kilograms at my height i'm 170 centimeters so i was a bit obese and um i I was just a real mess i was a real mess drinking every day and i was you know still aggressive and um it was yeah i know all about depression and that was that was one of the times i was was probably at my lowest
0: yeah it sounds just similar to again in a way similar to my own experience where I, i think of it as sort of a a, a lack of emotional maturity yeah, where you got these issues going on yeah. you don't know how to deal with them yeah. your way was to deal with them with drugs but then yeah. you had limited access to drugs so you need something else because you, you're not like heaven forbid you actually sit down and be silent for a while and actually try to <laughs> contemplate why you have the problems that you have. Just yeah. just try to push them back, and if you can't push them back with drugs, then push them back with food. And I had no purpose yeah, either. Yeah. Like, what was I supposed to focus yeah,
1: on? Yeah. Like, I just it was all just looking at me, 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 and you know? like yeah. I'm trying to fill this gap inside of me that with food and with you know whatever substance I could to sort of release this you know chemical in my brain to make me feel a bit better. Um, but then what ended up happening is after, a- after about a year on home detention, I had enough of being overweight and I just made a stand and I was like to my friend, that's it, that's it, I'm, I'm going to lose some weight. And I was on the internet and I was looking for, um, the best weight loss diet and I come across low carbers and yeah. all this stuff like that and all these weird diets. And then I come across this guy who was a raw foodist, uh, Dan McDonald, and he was doing, uh, juices. And he was talking about the life energy in the food, and he's like, "You've got to stop eating dead food. This is this this has the raw the raw living energy. Plants are filled with life, and um, animal products are are filled with death." And he also said he said something really profound to me, and it stuck with me. And it wasn't like he was telling me something new. It was like he already he told me something I already knew. Like it was like it was like a truth that, that I already knew. He said like, "When you eat suffering and death, it becomes you." It, it, Manifest as disease and fear and and death in you, like and, and I was like, it was sort of like that karmic thing that I'd realized when I'd got hit by the car. I was like, wow, yeah, we, we, we're killing these animals and we're eating their death, like yeah. you know that, that that adrenaline, that fear, that cortisol, that you know th- their dead body, and that, and I was
0: it, I, it spoke to me that much. It planted this seed. And that's a really important point, I think, mm. because there's the spiritual side mm. of things that you know that mm. the karmic, you're killing mm. something and. And, uh, you know, bad vibes associated with that. But there's also, like you mentioned, the the adrenaline, the cortisol. That is, you know, the, we say that emotions are nothing but chemical reactions if you want to mm. get down to the science of it. Um, so, if you're eating something that was filled with fear and terror and sadness yeah. when it was killed, then you're going to be eating the hormones that go with that. And we're so, both, we're, yeah. we're mammals, so yeah. we're
1: eating like you know this they wouldn't be too dissimilar from our hormones you know and we are
0: ingesting that yeah. so we're so ingesting it, it, even yeah. just taking emotion out of the yeah. the whole thing whether you agree with killing or not that the fact is that you're taking in hormones that mm. are associated with bad feelings Now like, i know? don't know if this karma <laughs> thing is true yeah. i don't know
1: if there's any science to back that up there's yeah, no yeah. peer reviewed studies but yeah. but it spoke to me that yeah. it was that it was just that it spoke to me and then when i found out a little bit more about saturated fat cholesterol and animal protein being carcinogenic, I was like, wow, there's, there's a little bit more to this, you know. Anyway, like, about six months down the track, I was still, I was doing this juice, I ended, I ended up losing about 25 kilos doing this juice fasting, and I understood plants, and I was eating more vegetables, and I I, I had the seed planted for veganism, so I hadn't completely changed to veganism, but it, it, was, it was on the cards, it was in my mind, I understood then and there, the hypocrisy in saying that you love animals. And you know you've got a steak on your plate, like yeah. save the whales, but you've got this chicken leg. Um, I ended up getting sentenced, so while I was on, so I was on eighteen months home detention at home, and I got sentenced, so I had to go serve my sentence for this gun that I got caught with eighteen months earlier. And
0: huh. so, how, how does that work? I thought you so, did your so, week. You, so
1: that week, yeah, I was just remanded. So when, oh, you, when okay. you commit a crime, yeah. they can remand you yeah. until your court date. Yeah. And that like your court date's usually a year or two years ahead of oh, when right. you get, first get okay. caught. So I've never been involved in the legal yeah. system. So, so what learning. happens <laughs> is I spent my remand on home detention yeah. instead of in prison because a lot of people they get remanded in prison. But I got bail and I was spent at home like a house arrest sort of thing till till my sentencing. That was eighteen months at home with yeah. myself and my thoughts and my addiction and yeah. my food um, addiction and all that. So ended up getting sentenced now when I got into prison, I had no access to drugs. Okay. I had limited access to rich food. Um, I had perfect access to the gym and it was at nighttime was my, was one of my, um, the worst times for me to go to the pantry and get food and and alcohol and stuff like that. So at nighttime I only had fruit in my cell, but I had this awakening in there because it was the longest that I'd ever been sober for since I was around 14 years old. Yeah, right. And I was t- so this I was about 26, 27 when I got when I did my sentence.
0: How long was the sentence?
1: It was six months. All right. Okay, so I got 11 months. Yeah. I had to serve six in there. Um, and I had this awakening in there. I was just like, I could see all the mistakes that I'd made in my past and where and it had led me to here. And I'd and I could see that everyone else in there had done the same thing, and there was people in there doing ten years life. um, Life is in there for punching someone in the face, you know. Like, and but I could see what was going on there. I I was like, I don't want this to be my life.
0: So so you're surrounded by serious criminals. Well, yeah, there's yeah,
1: yeah, people doing life in prison and um, ten years, seven years, and there's there's all the gang members end up there. So all the gang members are in there. Um, you know, it's, it's where everything comes to a head and, you know, it doesn't stop in there. Yeah. It's like, you've got a bunch of, you know, violent criminals with each other. There's going to be drama.
0: Yeah.
1: And this, this awakening, this awareness that I'd had, I'd never, I'd never looked at my life objectively from this perspective before I, was, I could, I could see things so much clearer. And also that, that part of me, that compassionate part of my heart, it started to be exposed it was exposed because I was no longer clouding it with this drug use and this um, th- that negative wolf that I'd cultivated. I, w- I was sober. I was training every day. I was eating more fruits and vegetables than I ever before because of the influence Dan McDonald had had. So I was eating raw fruits, raw vegetables when I could get them. When I moved onto a medium security prison, I could get raw fruits, raw vegetables, and I was still eating chicken breast and skim milk powder because I thought I need it for protein. I was I wasn't that. You know, I thought I needed to t- to weights. Essentially, got to get your protein. <laughs> got to get your protein. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so that that there jail the the sentence is what did it for me. It was like a barrier between me and my drug use. It was like it was a I, I was taken out of that environment and put in
0: a new environment, and and I could start to cultivate this new this new part of me. And was there anyone or any sort of role <coughs> model while you're in jail or any, did you read a book or anything or was it, was it just uh, the thing of just having some time? It was to my own,
1: it was my own awareness. Yeah. It, it, it was a clear sober mind. Yeah. And to assess things with a clear sober mind. And I, uh, and I was just like, I know where this is going and I could, I could see whether I could see into the future. I was like, no, I, uh, I don't want to be a part of this because i i knew where this is going to go and it's not going to go anywhere good like he either ended up in hospital in jail or with a serious drug addiction and that's you know i had all of those things and the next one was dead you know there were people were people were getting killed like it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a game anymore like it wasn't like just that 15 year old guys with shaved heads you know having great gate crashing parties and stuff anymore. It was was like serious stuff where people were losing their families. They were getting life in jail or 10 years in jail, five years in jail, you know, and, you know, people were getting killed sometimes. So, for me, having this sober perspective that I've never had before, when I was released, I was 75 kilos coming down from 115 kilos. Do you want to stop and
0: get a drink? Or? Excuse me. Yeah, no. I Get choked up. When I <laughs> talk about that story. Yeah, yeah, it's an intense story.
1: <clears throat> yeah, so I was seventy-five kilos coming down from one hundred and fifteen. So I'd lost like
0: forty kilograms. It's huge.
1: I come out of jail like this new man, and I was just like, oh my, I was kissing the ground when I come out of there. I was kissing the ground. I was just like, thank you.
0: And. I was back on home detention for a couple months. That's a, just a, just one little thought on that. As mm. I've worked with kids, like mm. I said, like you, and I've worked with kids that have been in and out of jail. Yeah. And, and most of the kids that I've mm. seen, they, they, they come out of jail just as bad as they went in. So mm. that's, yeah, it's interesting that it didn't you, happen that you way know, for you. know, my home and
1: detention and officer, he was, he was quite a good guy. Like he, he said that to me. He goes, you know, most guys, that come out of jail and I can see them. Going straight back in, they get back on the drugs. Mm. They breach their parole for a urine, uh, a dirty urine uh, test, and he said he's looking at me. And he goes, "I don't think that's you, eh? I think I think you're out." Because he was he was listening to what I was saying, and I was saying, you know, that's it. But he was also looking at me, and you could see. He'd never seen me like that before. He was my yep. home detention officer for a long time and he could see there was, you know, something not right with me still. Yep. And, but he was like, you know, you're not coming back. I don't think you're not coming back. And when, when he um, sort of signed me off my home detention and took my bracelet off, he was like, that's it. You know, I don't think I'm going to see you again. Eh. you know, he was confident in that.
0: That's all it was. down my spine there. Yeah. yeah was, <laughs> cool. He, he is- actually,
1: he actually was so proud of me because he rarely sees it. Yeah. And it's, it's just the reality of, I've rarely seen it. I've rarely seen people, where I was, completely take, turn the life around. It that's it. You, you get institutionalized. You do like if I'd done a five year jail stint, that would have been it. I would have been institutionalized. Then that's all. What I've, five years in jail. That's all you know. You come out like a lot of these guys have got no chance. There's there's no hope. That you're really going against the odds. You know with this with this drug addiction in these gangs. You know that gangs are hard to leave. You know you've got a lot of people counting on you you know what i mean you're gonna p- you, you, you can piss off a lot of people by leaving you know people don't understand they don't understand mm. they don't see it from where you're seeing it you know but you got to do something that, that you got to do something for yourself and it's a it was a very hard position for me to be in because i'll tell you my vegan story while, while when i got out yeah i was talking to my mum about uh, her smoking because now i was this sober guy yeah <laughs> You know, I was all righteous, you've got to stop smoking, yeah. like, I just come out of jail for carrying a gun down my pants, <laughs> no mum, smoking's bad for you, you know, <laughs> and she's like, you know, Joey, there's a lot of vices people have that they don't address, you
0: know, and, um, went off. Camera's off? Camera's off, one sec. Yeah, no worries. So, people listening, we're, we're actually trying, uh, filming this at the same time to, uh, see if we can put it on YouTube as well, so, uh. Yeah, Joey's just fixing up the cameras. Fixing up the cameras. All right. We're on again. <laughs> Back to it.
1: There's a lot of vices people have yeah. that they don't
0: address, right?
1: And, but I don't know if that was those exact words, but whatever words she used, it set this light bulb off in my head and I was just like, I've always said I'm going to go vegan, right? Um, I understand the hypocrisy in saying you love animals and, you, and yet still eating them. And I was like, she's right. Why don't I just do it? do it. the next day literally after that conversation i went vegan i took the date down it was the 1st of november 2013 right little did i know a year later that it was world vegan day i didn't i didn't even know so i went vegan on, oh, okay. on world vegan day without That's a good knowing coincidence. <laughs> a little after that i got released off home detention and i went and left the gangs i went and right, seeing someone that must and it
0: have I, been an intense process that it was like go.
1: literally the day that i i was the, the day or two after I was released from home detention, I drove straight there and I said, that's it. And, you know, they had seen it coming. Obviously, I had this transformation. I was sober now. I was posting all this awakening sort of stuff on my... All this positive sort of stuff on my Facebook. I was clearly not in the same mindset that I was, once was in. Like, I'd I'd had this change. Like, it wasn't for me anymore. I'd moved past it and and... It was a very nervous time for me because
0: I, I, I was
1: on my own then. You know, I was I was on my own. I I had to spend a lot of time by, my, by myself. I, you know,
0: there was a lot of. I guess yeah, all your friends were yeah. gang members, right? And you didn't yeah. want to be in the gangs anymore. They were so either in jail, they were still yeah, in the gangs, okay. or yeah. like or, or, and
1: even even some of my family, they were still drinking. They were still, and I'd gone completely sober, completely mm. vegan, and left all that left all that life behind me. So I had to spend. A lot Sorry, of time. just to
0: take one mm-hmm. short step back, how did the conversation actually go when you when you turn up to your gang mates and <clears> say, I don't want to be part of this anymore? Were they, I guess they uh, probably saw it coming to an extent. Yeah, so yeah. Was that, were they um, accepting of that? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I, I, I prefer not to get too far okay, into yeah, that. Yeah, but like, but right. like, they had obviously seen it coming. Yeah. Um, it was obvious that, that that wasn't for me anymore. And uh, there was circumstances which happened which I took the opportunity to, opportunity to, to leave yep. so it was a it was a, it was a, it was sort of like a, a window of opportunity for me and I took that window of opportunity and I never looked back that is an important part of it don't look back because you know if you're gonna if you're gonna leave something you leave it you completely leave it like I didn't associate with anyone involved in that I didn't associate with any any drug drugs ever again i didn't go i didn't drink a drop of alcohol ever again i completely disassociated myself and i and i transformed my life now if i'd left and started dabbling with other gangs and started dabbling with drug use and drug dealing again like yeah. like <laughs> you're not really out of it are you mate like yeah. it would have caused me strife and and but i didn't i didn't not do that because it was going to cause me strife i didn't i didn't do that for myself i'd had enough i'd, I'd had this awakening and it if i would denied myself this it, it would be like, the it would be the height of my insanity if I hadn't taken this opportunity of seven months, eight months sober to just keep going. And because I was on parole, they keep you on parole when you're released. They, they urine test you. So, and most people go back in for a dirty urine and I didn't want to be that person. I, was, I told the other prisoners, I was like, I'm not coming back in here for a dirty urine. And they're like, yeah, we've heard that <laughs> about a million times before, yeah, mate. Yeah. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> so... I spent a lot of time by myself. I was riding my bike around by myself, um, training every day, religiously. It was a big part of me getting sober because I didn't have drugs anymore. I had to get that endorphin, that that f- chemical from somewhere. And I was getting it from exercising and eating healthy. And
0: those are habits that you built up in prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exercising a, habits. A, another parallel between mm. the two of us here is... Mm. Um, yeah, I often say, or a saying of mine now is make your food boring and your life interesting. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, you know, we're used to getting dopamine hits and, um, you know, party in our mouth and fireworks in our brains and all that yep. from eating crappy food. And when, you, when I took myself off the crappy food and started eating only potatoes, that's really good food, but it doesn't give you the dopamine hit and the fireworks in your brain. So you have to find another way to get that. Um, those feel good hormones happening, so it's a good problem yeah, to exactly, have. Exactly, yeah. So, <laughs> so for you, it was, you know, you did your exercise, and that that was a thing for me as well. Yeah, and, it's a very important yeah.
1: part of it, especially if you have substance abuse and you had your own type of substance abuse. I, I, I wouldn't rule that out as being just nearly nearly just as serious oh, for people. Oh, like,
0: oh yeah, like I said, I, I pref- I'm glad that I didn't go through your experience. I feel like having a food addiction is probably well, it's, uh, it, it's da- bad. it damages lives for sure it i've known people lives, to be but, yeah. suicidal from it i mean yeah. it,
1: it can make you feel like hell like no, you're going that, through hell like
0: yeah and that it did that for me but mm. i guess yeah maybe better the devil you know than the mm. devil you don't so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. yeah. that's I mean, how i feel like but anyway i just I, I like that a lot of things that you're saying are resonating with yeah. me because they're you know, on a, in a way, they're similar experiences. So, that, yeah. that we know
1: what it takes to pull yourself out of the storm, yeah. and it, and and the formula is quite similar for the majority of people. I'd say that in, mean, you know, um, whether it's whatever vices you have, there's certain things you have to do to pull yourself. You, you can't just expect like you change. Your life yep. doesn't change. You change, and your life changes with it. Yeah. Um,
0: so, so, you were sorry. So, sorry to for the interruption. Anyway, but so you you were trying to get your feel good, happy hormones yeah. from from training, exercising, and that's yeah. a, a really good way to do it. Yeah. And I was
1: I, I was eating a lot of raw food. I I, I I done a lot of research about you know I was I was getting right into Neil Barnard, Doctor McDougall, Doctor Greger, um, all the plant based doctors. I was just like my br- I had an empty cup. I yep. had an empty cup and I was just filling it with all this like nutrition information and I was just like yep. oh my god I've got to tell everyone about yeah. this <laughs> everyone's going to die of cancer and heart disease and like <laughs> diabetes like stop eating me and then I was like and it's then a I pretty
0: common experience I yeah. reckon for, for people that are just like, learning about that like you just think everyone's yeah. going to listen to you yeah. hey you're
1: like oh Joey thanks for telling me I'm <laughs> going to give up bacon tomorrow give yeah. you a big hug and like, going vegan No, yeah. it just doesn't work <laughs> like that you're just going to I understood then the resistance I was about to face yeah. um so yeah, it was a very anxious time in my life because I'd, I anything I'd ever done in my part, it was I was on my own. I, I had to deal with everything on my own. I had to deal. I had to resocialize. I had to I had to learn how to basically integrate as a sober person. I'd always been on drugs, always been drunk. Like if I was going to a party, I was drunk. I was on drugs. If I was meeting a girl, I was it was somehow focused around drug use and alcohol use. Like I. I had to sort of retrain myself and build, build up this these new ways to social like I everything from the ground up I had to build back up. So I had a lot of anxiety and I, and I had a lot of fear of um you know the the world that I'd left whether it was going to come back to bite me. Um it was a it, it was a very hard time for me. So I I it was a combination of everything and I it took about it took me about a, a year and a half, I'd say, <laughs> to stop having this ang- this imminent anxiety, and, it's, and it gradually got better. And the more more it pulled away, and the more the more it um, stayed kept to myself, sort of thing. So it was a it was a major transformation. And in this time, the message of animal rights was galvanizing in me stronger. Um, I've always wanted to stand up against injustice, even you know, in school, like bullies and stuff, but I just didn't like it. I didn't like, um, you know, people getting treated badly. Like no matter, even the, the way that I was in the environment that I was in, I still didn't like injustice. It It's a weird sort of yeah. t- holding two beliefs. Like I was committing this injustice, but I didn't like to see it. It was sort of like cognitive dissonance. I was holding these two opposing beliefs. But that's kind of like what um, eating animals is. Like a lot of people, they're, they're against animal cruelty. They are. They genuinely are. Like, of course, they don't want to see a dog get kicked or, like, you know, a pig get burnt with a cigarette butt. But they're they're actually they're, they're eating this animal cruelty. They're they're participating in it three times a day when they sit down and eat. Um, so the the message of this the animals was just galvanizing. I was like this is such an injustice yeah. and such a massive and, and scale was
0: there you know you mentioned the plant based doctors that you talked about yeah. from a health point of view that influenced you was yeah. there anyone from an animal rights point of view that Yeah yeah like influenced uh,
1: Yeah like I would have to say back then it was probably Gary Urofsky. um okay. he was the main um animal rights voice I was hearing um
0: he was a he was a big voice I I watched his yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what the speech is called, but there's a big speech goes for like 45 yeah. minutes or something that, which was quite a powerful speech that I think probably yeah. influenced a lot of people. Yeah. So interesting that that was part of your, your yeah. Like I,
1: I I didn't really understand veganism until I I got into the the animal side of it and I realised that wait 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 veganism is about animals. It's about not there, there's a lot of benefits to veganism. There's health benefits environmental benefits these just add to it but but mainly it's about you know it's about the animals it's about um you know it's wrong to to push pigs into a gas chamber and to chop them up into pieces so we can have a sandwich when we have alternatives yep. it's just, and I was like it's that simple wow it's it's, it's like stabbing animals to death for <clears throat> something that is just unnecessary it's unhealthy and it's bad for the environment is is completely immoral in every in every sense like there's there's so many reasons to be vegan but I felt like it was my calling to speak up for animals. Uh, the longer I was vegan, the more this calling, it, it it was sort of like this fire inside of me. I was seeing this girl at the time and I was like, I was bricklaying and I was boxing and I was sober, sober vegan. And I was like, I've got this fire inside of me. And I, I was like, I need to spread it like I I can't hold this in anymore. Like it was like right here and it was like calling me. It was like, you got to speak up about this. I was, all my inspiration was falling on deaf ears. Like my mum and my brothers had heard, heard it for the last year. They don't want to hear any more of it. All right. Like, and, and I was like, I need to speak to people that are going to listen. And there was a few YouTubers around at the time. And I'd seen how they were just whipping out their camera and, you know, saying all the things that I wanted to say on camera. And one day I was just like, boom, I, I, I'd been hanging out with one of my friends, Abdullah from the Glucose Network. And I was just like, after that ride, I just uh, pulled out my phone and started filming. And I was like, whoa, I just let, let a bunch of this stuff out. And I felt like, wow, that was my outlet. That's my outlet. This is what I need to do.
0: So so that was a, a turning point for you there. That was a massive turning yeah. point.
1: Having a platform to spread this imp- inspiration and being able to help people out of
0: the same storm that I was in. Yeah, so, so in that moment, you, you've gone from, uh, you know, Good vegan, uh, clean living dude. Yeah, you know, your life's turned around, but now you've you've found the found the thing that you want to spend your time doing as My much. My purpose. As possible. Yeah, yeah. So the purpose yeah. of all this. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, and now like now you're, a, you're this big activist that probably I don't know if everyone, but lots of m- many many people uh, in the vegan community know you and look up to you, mm. and um and yeah, you, you've done some amazing things. So. Yeah, th- let's let's go into that then. Well how does how is life for you now? How how did that moment change the way you do things?
1: Yeah, so I guess my um my background has helped me be a good activist. I, I definitely I definitely would say that. Um it's it's given me the tools I need to talk myself out of hairy situations because I've been in a lot of them. Um and I just find that I, I connect with people a lot more and more down to earth that I don't know. A lot of these skills that I have built up um, has
0: helped me in my advocacy. Mm. Um, <coughs> and yeah, that's one thing that you, you're talking about keeping you cool. Is one thing that stands out in mm. you in the videos that you make. Is um, you know when you go out and you you meet people and you talk to them. Yeah. And you make videos. It, you never lose your cool. Yeah. You're just you're, you're very calm and you're very. Uh, open to hearing what everyone has to say, and uh, and you just never get flustered. That's um, something that really stands out for me, and probably for a lot of people. So, well, yeah. like when I first went vegan, got on
1: YouTube, I was pr- I was an, a bit more of an angry activist, and I was yep. doing these response videos. I was swearing, like swearing was just ingrained into my you know language. It was like mum sweared, everyone sweared. It was just like yeah. a part. Of, <laughs> like I didn't, I wasn't trying to put it on. I was just literally like, that's just, just it being was part of, you're just being you, yeah. and. You know, like I, I was, very, I was pretty angry because I just found out this ma- massive injustice, and I was like, you know, why isn't anyone doing anything about this? Like, what, what are we all doing? So I, I had this this passion, and it was, and it was, it was very, it was a very fierce passion. But then I found I, I realized something that um, when I talked to people on the streets, I had a, a a lot different approach because I was more, I was feeling the situation more, and. I found that I didn't swear to people when I was talking to them on the streets. I was very calm, very polite, asking them the right questions and leading them to the, their own conclusion. And I found out that that why don't I do that when I'm staring into a camera doing a response video? So I had the, I had another realization through my activism that a people a lot of the time they won't remember the content of the conversation, but they will remember how it, how it made them feel. And I think like I could I could be just as powerful with my message by keeping it focused on the truth because the truth is powerful enough that's what James Aspie said to me once the yeah. truth is powerful enough like you don't have to you don't have to carry on and swear and and add all this stuff to the truth the truth is profound and it, it will wake p- it, the people up that are ready
0: yeah. you don't uh, you don't need to sell it no all. you don't just, need to you just sell, need to a, put it out there yeah, yeah.
1: and there's a way you talk to people that w- with respect polite um and lead them to their own conclusion like less forceful more um I found the Socratic method resonated with me it's like asking people the, the the way that you teach by asking people questions do you think it's do you think you can kill an animal in a humane way that wants to live um is it justified to stab a pig in the throat um, for bacon when we have plant-based alternatives um You know all these questions that
0: really interesting. Like I've said, I've I've been a teacher for a long time, and I've always used that (coughs) way as as a teacher as well. You know, when whenever a kid's got a question for me, I will try to never give an answer, rather just ask a question and allow them to come up with the answer themselves. Definitely, really interesting that you arrived at that same sort of method.
1: It come naturally. It come naturally. I felt like it's it's a natural way to be less invasive with your teaching. Like there's different ways that you can just pump information into someone but that can be a bit overwhelming like you know if you get them to involve themselves in the conversation by questioning them people want they want to give their opinion they want to be like you know and, and you can you can expose some contradictions in what they're saying by asking the right questions
0: here's an idea why don't we do a little demo of okay that? i'll um i'll well this is uh, you know you do your videos joe versus the public yeah. and you meet people First of all, let's just talk about how that idea came about, and then we'll then we'll. Joey vs the yeah. public. Yeah, um, Cause that, these are the ones that I like watching of your video. You yeah. do lots of different kinds of videos, yeah. but the interesting ones to me are when you talk to people just in the street, yeah. who want to have a conversation with you. Definitely, and, um, yeah. So how yeah, did that so idea Joey
1: vs like? the public come about? Um, a friend of mine, Martin, was a uh, vegan YouTuber. He's got a channel called Think About This, and he he was the first vegan I'd seen doing street interviews in the in the structure that. Okay. You see him today. Like, well,
0: you were the first one I'd seen. So okay. interesting that you got the idea well, from someone else. Well, I said, else. let's yeah. do a collaboration. We should yep. go
1: do a street interview. And I had a really good way of, I said, like, let's set them up with these questions. like, And I had these good questions. I was like, let's do an interview on karma. Um, you know, Do you believe in karma? Most people are like, yeah, yeah, of course. What does it mean to you? Oh, yeah, if you do bad things, then bad things come back on you. You know, sort of that idea. And then... With the last question was like, oh, do you eat meat? <laughs> and then yeah. they just, oh, you got, me. oh, what do you, t- you got me yeah, there, right. like yeah, you know. Yeah. It was, and then after that, like I'd start. He, and Martin said, you're really good at this. The way you approach people, the way you speak to people. He goes, you're, you're, you're actually amazing at this. You should do it yourself. And then I was like, oh, okay. No, you already think so? And he's like, yeah, man. No, no, definitely. And then after that, I just started doing it by myself. Like I'd bring my phone and my little lav mic and I'd hold my phone up and I'd have this little mic. And I'd, if you look at my earlier ones, I'm looking at my phone, but yep. that's because like, I'm trying to keep us in frame because yeah, yeah. I was my own <laughs> cameraman and I was just like, yeah, it was pretty nerve wracking at times, but you know, it had to All be right. done.
0: All right. So let's, do you want to do a bit okay. of role play? All right, let's do it. So I'm going to, I'm going to step back in time to my days as a, <laughs> a local Australian rules footballer. <laughs> You know, in the gym every day, trying to um, keep fit and strong, and be tough and manly, so that I can step on the football field and, um, and you know, do my thing. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm walking down Rundle Mall in Adelaide, and there's Joey Carvstrong. So, did, is it something? Do I come to you, or do you? No, come I'll come to you. I'll yep. say,
1: I'll say, hey, how you going? I'm, I'm doing interviews for my YouTube channel. Would you like to be in one? Yeah, why not? Oh, thanks. I've had about 20 nos today, but you're the first. Yes. <laughs> All right, so there was this um there was this serial killer back um uh, a fair while ago now, but his name was Alfred Fish, and what he used to do is he used to kidnap um children, he used to eat them. Um, Bloody hell! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that guy? Ah, uh,
0: uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting this kind of interview. <laughs> yeah, but, no. um, Yeah, he sounds like an asshole, mate. Yeah, uh, no, no. Sorry, he, he, excuse he, the language.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no. He, he, he. I can beat that out, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he used to eat, eat children. Uh, you know, knowing how vulnerable and innocent. Um, children are like we, you think it's our duty to protect them and you know we, as a society we should stand up for children yeah
0: yeah of course yeah it's obvious yeah it's
1: obvious hey like you know we being more powerful and, and older and more you know it's our duty to be the protector so w- what about animals
0: yeah yeah we should protect them too i've got a dog i've got, I've got, got a doberman at home a he's a dog? Big, big friendly giant and you, you care um, about your dog yeah yeah i love him you yeah, love we, your dog. We should look after him
1: so Every animal we kill for meat, dairy, and eggs are youths when we kill them. So, chickens are six weeks old, pigs are around five to six months old, lambs six months old, um, cows two years old, um, and cows' natural lifespan is 20 to 25 years. So, we're we're essentially killing um, babies, you know, children. So, um, have you ever thought about that when you picked up a burger?
0: No, I haven't. I just just like a burger so yeah yeah that's that's it
1: <laughs> so in knowing this like in knowing this that that your choices are are basically pushing these animals into a slaughterhouse the, these vulnerable innocent childlike beings that have done nothing wrong to me you or anyone else w- would you think about that next time you purchase meat dairy and eggs knowing that we have alternatives
0: well i would but I, I, you know, I've, I'm a, I play football, you know, and I, I lift weights, and I need to be strong. So, yeah, what, what am I, what am I going to do?
1: Well, you know, we've got the world yoke lifting champion Patrick Bobomian, He's vegan. We've got um, Mac uh, Mac Danzig. He's a MMA fighter, UFC fighter. He was vegan. We've got many vegan athletes. Um, all nine essential amino acids are found in plants. Um, you know. Vegans are known to have less nutrient deficiencies on average than non vegans So, there's this film called What the Health. I think you should watch it. They present the science. You've got no issues with nutrition. Now, knowing that we've got no issues with nutrition or protein or being an athlete, do you think now that it's unjustified to do this to these innocent, vulnerable animals for a burger?
0: Well, is it (laughs) unjustified? This is hard because obviously I agree with everything you're saying, (laughs) but I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. So, I'm imagining, you know, anyway... I, I. Back in character, uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but you know, lions. Eat oh, meat, lions so, eat meat, yeah. You know, so you know, if if it's okay for lions, then you know. yeah,
1: yeah. Well, you know, like there's a lot of things lions do that we wouldn't say is uh, should be part of a civilized society. I mean, lions they they eat their own young. They they run around naked in the safari. They you know they mate with whatever woman they please without consent. Um, you know, if we we should we model our behaviour from that of a lion?
0: okay that's a fair point yeah alright so what if um, what if what if I get my meat from uh, you know a friendly healthy farm oh you know? humane what, what, happy farm yeah yeah one of them uh, yeah what, oh, what if I go there did
1: they go to a humane happy slaughterhouse <laughs> too
0: Okay, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going vegan. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. All right, cool. So, here, wait, 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 I'll give yeah. you some more information here. Yeah. This
1: is Challenge 22, which is a yeah. website um, where you'll get assigned your own mentor. You can try veganism for 22 days, which is how long it takes to um, rebuild a habit. And, yeah, just hit me up if you
0: want to watch this video later. I'm going to edit it really well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, sounds sounds good. So, yeah, this is. Uh, I think these videos that you've made, of, I think they've had a, a huge impact <coughs> and a lot of people are... They've inspired a mean, lot of activists yeah. to
1: do the same thing too, and which is amazing. Now there's a, there's a bunch of vegans doing it, which I think is good. Yeah. We need a, a movement like that. And the more voices doing this um, as possible, um, yeah, the better.
0: And I, and I like the fact that you finished with that 22-day challenge because that, that's another thing that speaks to me because I've been vegan for... A lot of people don't know that I was vegan for a long time before I did the potato yeah. challenge and, and me and my wife did it together we yeah. arrived at the idea together but originally it was there was it was before Facebook and stuff and we mm-hmm. maybe YouTube was just beginning but I probably never watched it yeah so it sort of came up with it on our own we just thought you know I was the footballer that I was playing in that yeah. in that uh in that role play and um and I thought yeah okay you know there are i've i've read about people that are living healthy in that but I don't know if I can do it so i'll just Let's just try it for thirty days, and we just came up with this thirty-day vegan challenge. And um, and on the, I, I had planned before we started. I can't remember what the meal is now, but before we started, I had planned on what my first meal was going to be yeah. once the thirty days was over. And then after a week, I was like, "Yeah, this is easy. Uh, I'm never going back. Never going back." Good. Yeah, of course. In that in that time, I was I didn't know how to you know find all the vegan alternative stuff, so I was just eating beans and fruits and veggies and grains and, yeah you know so i was eating a really healthy diet and then as things went. then you found on, the vegan <laughs> junk food <laughs> yeah, yeah and then <laughs> potato chips are vegan <laughs> yeah, exactly what you can get vegan ice cream i'm gonna eat that yeah. every day <laughs> so but yeah anyway the, the point is that i like that you yeah you don't just you don't just leave it hanging at the end you give people something to take with them where they can you know if they get home and think yeah that guy really made some sense then they can they that's not the end of it. They can yeah. then use that card that you give them and, and maybe continue their journey from there. So that's a, a really important point. For sure, 100%, definitely. Now, these, um, the Cube of Truth was another thing I wanted to talk to you about yeah. because uh, and I've not really been much of an activist yeah. myself. These, all these video I watched these, uh, these violent, horrific videos. I wouldn't in the say beginning. that though, bro.
1: Yeah. In the last few years, you have been an activist. You've been getting people well, on the on the starch-based diet, the whole foods, plant-based. You're doing it in your own right. You've had this mad transformation. You don't, you know, you're getting people off of those products in your own way. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's activism. Cool. Yeah, okay. There's different ways to view activism. It's not yeah. just standing on a street with a sign, "Meat is murder. Yeah. There's, there's
0: other ways people advocate, which is, are just as important. I appreciate that. And, mm. and I have had a lot of people write to me that say they've gone vegan because of me. Exactly. Which, yeah, it's, it's cool. Um, anyway, I, what I, I guess what I meant was that my activism uh, hasn't been focused on animal rights. Okay, yeah. And, and I have great admiration for people like you and James yep. Aspie and Gary Yorofsky mm-hmm. and anyone else that can, um, you know, look at those sort of videos day in and uh, day out. Yeah. Like that it, just it takes a pati- particular It takes a particular type of person. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's for everyone. No way. Yeah. Mm. And you know, in the, when I, when earthlings came out mm. I was like, hey, I better sit down and watch this. Yeah. And I, I didn't even make it through the preview. I'm yeah. like, no, nah, I'm not watching that. So I've never seen it, but, yeah. but the preview messed me up, you know, yeah. I had nightmares after that. Yep. So, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so getting to the point, I've seen this cube of truth thing happening, and I've thought, yeah, I'd really like to go along and have some conversations with people, yeah. and you know, try and do my bit. But I, I just it scares me, you know. Yeah. So no, that's well, how does it? How does that all work for you? Okay, anyway, so yeah.
1: you make you make very important points here that I want to uh, talk to vegans that are listening about this. Not every form of advocacy is for everyone. Okay, um, if you're a bit nervous. That, that, that's fine. Like, you know, I was always nervous when I did my street interviews and I always still have a bit of a buzz in my stomach. Uh, Activism is about feel it, feeling the fear and doing it anyway. But there's a difference between being a bit nervous and actually being psychologically disturbed by watching this, this footage on the screens. Um, it can be worse for you as an advocate to be distressed and psychologically damaged by watching this footage on the screen. There's a bunch of activists that can, that can do it. And if you're one of those people that can do it, then it's, you're sort of obliged in a sense to, to, to take on that role. But that's why there's all different types of people that can advocate in all different types of way. We need, we need people that are doing recipes, um, that are coaching people um, on what to eat, um, vegan hairdressers. There's, there's, there's many different ways you can spread the vegan message. And um, if it's, if outreach isn't for everyone either, like doing the outreach that I do is not for everyone either. Like if you're going to get stumped on the spot and, you know, and you're going to be, you know, disturbed by the footage or it's going to, you're going to be overly emotional and, and things like that, then maybe outreach isn't the job for you. Maybe standing in the cube is, holding the screens, you don't have to look at the screens. I That's mean, there's, there's, there's different things you can do, Um, driving the, the stuff down there, setting it up. Um, There's many... Jobs for many different people. You could be organising um, events, helping activists organise events. There's so much. There's so many different ways you can look at activism, and but the the reason I'm good at that is because I, I love talking to people. I love talking to people. I love leading them to that conclusion. Um, I can face the, the the slaughter footage. I've been putting slaughter footage in my videos for the last. Uh, since i've been on youtube basically i've stopped I doing always, that i always try to skip through yeah. Those bits on yeah i've videos, stopped so. doing it now because <laughs> yeah. i've realized that the truth is still powerful enough and yeah. I, I want to get more people watching and i think that that can deter a lot of people and yeah. d- deter a lot of vegans from sharing and um uh, i don't really need to do it every single time which is what i was doing before but um i've got a level of desensitization to it but uh, watching land and hope and glory really got me which is like the, the new yeah. uk earthlings that that i teared up and oh, that really affected me a lot and doing vigils has really affected me but i think they're profound experiences that you need to have as well that if you can if you, yeah. if, you if you if you're capable of it's important to have those as an activist to face animals before slaughter i
0: think i would like to try it sometime yeah. Yeah. i just i'm not sure how i'm going to deal with it but I, th- I think I would like. you to, surprise yeah. yourself like really
1: yeah. you can surprise yourself and when you're out there in the moment like it just comes out like you know what you're going to say it's 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 weird like sometimes i feel a little bit funny beforehand but then when i just get out there and do it just boom it's like i'm in my element out here come at me come on what do you got for me (laughs) protein yep lions though yep uh you know humane slaughter free range let's let's go for it yeah
0: i think i'm confident that i'd be good at the conversations but i mean the vigils and the screens and that i think that that's going to be the The thing about vigils is
1: like It's supposed to be an emotional experience. Like we're there, we're witnessing them going to death. It's like a, it's like a funeral, and and expressing normal human emotion at these events is essential. It's part, it's part of the process. It's like don't you can't just go there and like just like I I don't know. Like don't feel like we can't express emotion together. We're there supporting each other as activists. We're facing this brutality face on. It's it's it's. I felt like some of the vigils I've been to have been significant experiences in my activism because yeah. they build your conviction as an activist it, it strengthens the community like real witness together um you know and just looking those animals in the, in the eyes it, the reality of it um is a lot m- stronger than just seeing it on a screen I don't know it's like your your pr- your presence with them and it's almost like they know that you're you know you're not there to hurt them I don't know that is
0: yeah, it's that's really interesting to hear you talk about that because when i've of uh seen photos or footage of people at vigils i've not really looked at it closely because i don't want to see it but i I imagine that i've always i guess i don't know why but i've imagined that everyone there is is sort of like tough hardened people that are not Mm. You know they can do it, and they're not overly affected by it. No, um, everyone's hugging yeah. each other and yeah, crying,
1: right. and you yeah. know it's it's very sad. Like yeah. you know, full grown men crying. Like uh, it's, yeah. it's very emotional. <laughs> that would be me for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, cameras again. It's all good. <laughs> no worries. We're, we're back. If you're listening to this on the on the on in your earbuds while you're out for a run, you can uh, the 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 pause there was just to get the camera going so that we can put it on YouTube mm. as well. New thing we're trying for with the SpudFit podcast <laughs> for the first time today. Um, all right. So uh, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about was uh, what, what you actually eat now. You know, you you're, you're an active guy, you're yeah. a fit guy, you're a strong guy. Okay. Um, and you know when. Before I uh, learned about nutrition, I I didn't really know what you should eat to to you know be fit and strong and healthy. So, so what does your day look like? Okay, my
1: day. I want to talk about that too because there's the way I advocate people eat is strictly vegan. That's it. Like that's what I advocate for now because I'm a vegan activist. Um, I just want people not to hurt animals. So whatever you do, um, to do that. Is cool with me as long as you're not hurting animals. So like, you know, vegan burgers, vegan pizza, vegan ice cream, whatever it takes for you to stop eating animals is where I'm at because, you know, there's people that, you know, they're not going to go from burgers and ice cream and, you know, fries to whole foods, plant-based you know just like that
0: yeah not everyone can just go cold yeah, turkey not, not everyone, everyone can go from junk yeah. food to just potatoes yeah. not everyone can go from full yeah. on drug addict to nothing yeah not yeah. everyone can go from you know make the change overnight but not so, everyone yeah. needs to either not yeah. everyone has a food
1: addiction yeah you know some people just have a burger and at night uh, and they they eat reasonably you know they 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 don't they don't in, overindulge in these products and um so like i just give people alternatives and I will tell them if they're interested in health, um, these, these are the healthier options. Okay. Like if they've got this pre-existing issue with food addiction, that's a completely different story. That's like they need, you know, th- uh, food therapy sort of thing. Um, but as a vegan act- uh, activist, veganism is uh, what I advocate for. You know, I want people to, to know that they they're not going to miss out on anything when they stop eating animals. Um, I went through a very whole foods stage. And that's what I needed to do. I had to wean myself off of a lot of vegan junk and I was cycling a lot and it made my hunger more ferocious and I could eat a lot more of the vegan junk. And I found the whole foods was was more satiating. Uh, it was easy for me to maintain my weight. Um, made me feel clearer and cleaner. Um, nowadays, I've got a handle on it. You know, I, I, I just, I, I, I know what to eat. So like I know that, you know, focus mainly on on the whole foods, and if I want to have a little bit here and now, I have a little bit here and now. And I've got a, I've got a pretty, I'm, I've sort of developed a pretty good um, handle on my food addiction that I had. Um, th- when I'm traveling, I do a lot of um, juices and and fruit and light food. like Yeah, that f-
0: stuff's easy to find, isn't it? When yeah. You're
1: so yeah. Uh, like, sometimes I do a bit of dried fruit, uh, some mango s- uh, smoothies, and um, you know, if I do eat, I try to keep the oil and the salt low, especially when I'm traveling and I've got a lot of energy I need to, to expel. Like I don't want to be like all weighed down and puffed out and all fatted out from the oil. So I try to steer away from, uh, junky vegan foods while I'm traveling. Cause I've, I've had all the junk food. I know what it tastes like. I'm here to, um, contribute. So I want to, I want to fuel myself with the, um, with the nutrition that will help me contribute the most. Yep. Vegan burgers ain't gonna do that, but they're gonna they're gonna fill that hole if you need it filled. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so no, cool. That's uh, uh it's really interesting to me you, yeah. you talk about you wanna put the food in that allows you to do your job to the best of your ability. Yeah. And that that's sort of the way I think about food these days too. It's um it's not so much about um trying to, you know, have that party in my mouth, it's about trying to you know, I, I did a post the other day that um, you know, if you had if you owned a Ferrari you would you would go to the petrol station that has the best premium fuel. You wouldn't be stopping at the place that, you know, looks like a fun place to fill up. You'd be, you know, who cares if it's fun? I just want to put the good fuel in. That's the way I sort of think about my body now too. So, um, yeah, it's interesting that, you know, even you feel like, Eating good food makes you, maybe it clears your mind a bit so that you're able to, um, you know, have these important conversations and make uh, make good content that fathers yeah. the message. I, I, yeah, I, my
1: work ethic is a lot. But if I'm eating like f- uh, clean food, like sh- fruits and stuff while I'm traveling, I just, I feel like, you know, the clarity of mind when I wake up and stuff. Like if I just last night just had a big greasy vegan cheese, vegan pizza, like, and like a bunch, you know, you know, a bunch of, Junky food, like I would have woken up like puffed out, tired, you know, wanting to drink caffeine or something like that, just to to get me through the day. But like, I ate reasonably clean yesterday, and this morning I had, a you know, fruit smoothie and feeling good.
0: All right, all right, well, we're, we're probably uh, been going for long enough now. I think okay, I, I've got to get home because uh, you know we're we're a family, and my wife's got other things to, <laughs> to do. So we better wrap this up. But uh, before we finish it, before we pull up stumps. If you could, uh, if someone's listening, imagine someone's listening to this podcast, I hope someone's listening to this podcast that's like, right, I'm, I'm convinced, I, I want to make a change. Yeah. What uh, one bit of advice would you give to that what person? What do they want to change? Well, they, they want to change the way they eat. They wanna, okay, they, they want to go vegan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'd I'd first
1: think about why, why you want to go vegan. So the conviction um, needs to be strong inside you. And I would say that, that don't think that what you do doesn't have any power. Um, the, if you stop contributing to this violence in in your in your own life, it can make a massive impact, and that can create waves across the world. And, and you never know who you can influence. So I would say just just the choices you make today can have a profound effect on these innocent sentient beings. That I would invite you to face, um, whether it be a photo or just. A video, and just maybe, if you can face these victims because they are real victims, and it's really happening. And um, when you go to the supermarket, that is basically you either paying for life or paying for their suffering and death. So I would, I would have that thought in your mind when you make that purchase, and just know that there are alternatives that we've talked about—burgers and ice cream—and if you, do, if you, do, if you're afraid you're going to miss something, so yeah.
0: Yeah, all right. Powerful words and, uh, and a, a good way to finish. So, uh, yeah, this podcast is, to me, it's, it's all about um, talking with people who think differently, do things differently and, uh, and are working to try to make the world a better place in one way or another and, um, yeah, nobody fits that description more than you, so... Thanks very much for being a guest on the Spud Fit Podcast. And um, yeah, I love your work and keep doing what you do. Appreciate it a lot, man. All right. Cheers. Spud up. (laughs) Like I said, it was a pleasure to sit down with him and uh, share that conversation. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you guys did too. If you're digging Joey Carbstrong's message, then go and find him on Facebook and on YouTube. Just search for Joey Carbstrong, and you'll find him. Uh, his YouTube channel's great, like we talked about in the podcast. His, his Instagram is great. It's all great. If, you're, uh, if you dig his message and you think uh, it needs to be spread more, then the best thing you can do is help him on Patreon. Just look him up on Patreon, and donate a dollar a month, 5 dollars a month, anything to uh to help him do what he does. Uh also don't forget to go to spudfit.com, check out uh the FAQ page, check out the Spudfit membership page and check out the advanced DIY program. I'm very very proud of that. It's a it's a newly launched program to help people with uh weight problems, with health problems, with food addiction problems and uh, Yeah, I'm really proud of it and I think it can make a big difference in people's lives just like it did in mine and just like it has in many other people. So go and check it out if that's something that interests you. Once again, thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks for supporting me. If you enjoy this podcast, then share it with your friends. Uh, Subscribe to it on iTunes and, uh, you know, leave comments and all those nice things. Five-star ratings only, please. (laughs) All right. That's it from me. Thanks again for joining me on the Spud Fit podcast, and uh, I'll be back again soon. Spud up.